I would like to say good evening to everyone. My name is Felicia Hamilton and I will be your moderator for this session. Welcome to another lecture given by members of the Southfield Michigan class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. <coughs> Excuse me. Alicia, are you sharing your screen? No, uh, maybe I'm not. We hold classes yeah, in know. the United States, Canada, right. and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Ewell. The vice president is Dr. Ronald Atkins. And the superintendent is Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the father, the word or son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that were produced the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. 
He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given into salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh, led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the school are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. <coughs> Excuse me. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. 
Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10th, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we would like to have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Derek Organ, followed by scripture, which will be Ephesians, the fourth chapter, read by Dr. Pedro Dominguez. Good evening, class. Good evening. Let us draw up by our hearts and mind in the moment of prayer. Yahshua, we ask for your strength, for your guidance. Continue to show us more of your purpose, your pattern and plan. Uh, have us to be obedient to your word, to show ourselves approved through our learning and showing to show forth progression that give us the confidence to let us know that we can continue and endure until the end. We ask these prayers in Yahshua Messiah's name. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dr. Dominguez. Good evening, class. I'll be reading to you from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by A.B. Trainer, the Scripture Research Association Incorporated, reprinted by Yasha Promotions. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I therefore, the prisoner of Elohim, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Elohim, Yahweh, one faith, one immersion. One is Yahweh and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of the Messiah, Yahshua. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he took captive 
took captive captivity and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the sons for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of the Messiah till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of Yahweh unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Messiah, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But being truthful in love, ye may grow up unto him in all things, in all things, which is the head, even the Messiah, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and exhort through Yahweh that ye henceforth live not as the heathen live in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of Elohim Yahweh through the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lustful practices to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned from the Messiah, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Yahshua. That ye put off your former behavior, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which Elohim is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the adversary. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt conversation proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. 
And grieve not the Holy Spirit of Yahweh, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Yahweh for the Messiah's sake hath forgiven you. I read to you Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Argon, for the prayer and Dr. Domingos for the scripture lesson. We want to once again welcome everyone out to our lecture tonight. We do appreciate your attendance and we're always happy to see you and have Yahweh have us come together as brethren to uh, preach this beautiful gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. Um, before we begin, just some housekeeping. We'd like to remind everyone to please keep your uh, video turned in the off mode and your audio on mute unless you're called on to speak or read. And for tonight, we are actually going to do our uh, green chart or science Thursday. And this, this is for um, those of you who don't remember, because we took a little bit of a break. We did have a presentation by Dr. Gary Meyer uh, last month. He did Marriage by the Pattern, which is also in this booklet. Um, today, we're going to do the arm that will be presented by our, uh, the president of the Madison, Wisconsin branch, Dr. Sasha Rikmanovich. And that is, uh, this booklet is a booklet that was put together um, by the late Dr. Lejeune Gill of the Springfield, Ohio class. And in it, she lists a lot of subjects that go by the pattern. Well, all the subjects go by the pattern. She just touched on some of the subjects that go by the pattern. So today, once again, we are going to do uh, the, sorry, the green chart. We call it green chart Thursday or science Thursday. And Dr. Rikmanovich is going to present on page, I believe it's page 104. Sorry, I didn't mean stop sharing. I believe it's on page um, 104. And that presentation will be on the arm in comparison to Yahshua the Messiah. And I am going to allow him to share his screen at this time. And he will take over. Yeah, from this, screen, this screen is fine. This is good? So okay. We can, we can use this screen. Okay, uh, for, we'll use uh, this for now? Yeah. Okay, okay. So, well. uh, mm -hmm. good, uh, good evening, everybody. It's, uh, it's great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity uh, to share with you, you know, this uh, part, um, you know, of the, uh, of the uh, uh, study of part of the teaching when we compare the physical body uh, with the uh, purpose of uh, uh, Yahweh, because Yahweh revealed uh, everything uh, about, uh, or he revealed his uh, purpose uh, based on what uh, uh, he created. Mm -hmm. So for those who may not, uh, uh, for who are relatively new, who may be watching, and for uh, for those for those for whom it may be a new concept, let's uh, go and read Romans one nineteen and twenty. Mm -hmm. 
That's Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So Apostle Paul is saying that uh, the invisible things of uh, Yahweh, his supernal nature and uh, uh, other invisible things like his purpose can be seen by understanding what he has made. And he has made the human body and we read in uh, Genesis like 1, 26 and uh, 27 that he made a man in his uh, likeness and image. So therefore, uh, the man, the anatomy and physiology of the human body uh, in its totality and in different parts with different organs are testifying to some aspects or invisible aspects of Yahweh's purpose. And that's what our theme today is to see how the arm or the hand, because sometimes arm and uh, hand are interchangeable in the Bible, how they uh, show uh, the purpose of Yahweh. So what we will do, we'll go through this uh, uh, section in uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Lajun's book, Science and Image of the Creator. There are only two pages. And then I will uh, show you some other uh, different and I believe very interesting uh, aspects about the arm, how the arm shows uh, the purpose of Yahweh. So let's start with uh, what we see on our screen and let's read you know, from this pamphlet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is section G of Science and Image of the Creator, page 104, the arm in comparison to Yahshua the Messiah. After the physical creation, Yahweh Elohim was seen by Moses and the prophets in superincorporeal form in visions and communicated with them, excuse me, and communicated with them. The threefold supernal nature of Yahweh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is revealed in the composition of man who is spirit, soul, and body. The divine attributes of Yahweh Elohim are also revealed by the principles imbued in man, such as intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, beauty, love, justice, foundation, power, and strength. These nine attributes taking on shape and form make up Elohim, who is seen only in visions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right, and uh, later on, I will uh, go back to it and show you mm -hmm. this on the chart, but uh, let's uh, continue on. Uh, okay. Reading. Yahweh was manifest in Yahshua the Messiah. The Apostle Paul states in 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of holiness. Yahweh was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Yahshua himself told the disciples that whosoever have seen him 
had seen the father. Exodus 15, 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone till thy people pass over. O Yahweh, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. In Isaiah 59, 16, Yahweh said that he brought salvation with his own arm. The muscles in the human arm are a great illustration of the power of Yahweh's salvation. The muscles most familiar to us are the muscles of the arms and legs. Since we use our limbs freely and the muscles involved change shape visibly in the course of limb movements. Consider the muscle of the upper arm. It is thick in the middle, the belly of the muscle, and narrows as it approaches the bone. It stretches across the elbow joint and is attached to each of the two bones, in this case, the humerus and the radius, meeting at the joint. In any movement performed in the body, the muscles are intermediately between the nervous system, intermediary between the nervous system and the members acted upon, such as bone, connective tissue, skin, etc. The muscle is a mediator between the nerve and the connective tissue. When the muscle receives signals from the nerve to contract, it contracts and moves whatever it is attached, it, whatever is attached to it. The muscles can do only what they are told to do by the nerves. The subordination of the muscle unto the nerve and its intermediate position reflect Elohim or the superincorporeal form of Yahweh, which is seen in visions and revelations and is intermediate between Yahweh, pure spirit without shape and form, and Yahshua's Messiah, the word made flesh. As the muscle is subject to the nervous system, so is Elohim subject to the Father. Psalms 47 and 8 states, Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my El. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Also see Hebrews 10, 5 and 9. It is therefore understood that the muscles in the man are playing the same role as Yahshua. The word of Yahweh made flesh plays in the threefold supernal nature of Yahweh. Uh, thank you. So I, I didn't uh, interrupt you so far because it's really expressed uh, really well, you know, mm -hmm. the thoughts. So it's, it's, it's very well, you know, said. Mm -hmm. What I would like to add is just to show you the witness uh, in the scripture about uh, a mediator uh, mm -hmm. because we, we just read that, uh, you know, how the muscle of the arm in this case, it's a mediator between the nervous system and the bone or connective tissue. And uh, Yasho, the Messiah is the mediator. And when I say the mediator, I do it uh, consciously because the people in the religious world, primarily in the Roman Catholic Church, don't think that Yahshua, the Messiah, who they, whom they call Jesus Christ, is the or only mediator. They think that Mary is the mediator or intercessor between uh, the man and uh, God, as they say. 
but uh, the uh, Yahshua is the only one. Let's read, uh, I think it's First uh, Timothy 2 and 5, I think. That's First Timothy 2 and 5. For one is Yahweh and one mediator between him and men, the man, Yahshua, the Messiah. Thank you. Yeah, continue on reading in the uh, pamphlet, please. In the arm, we have muscles called biceps, Latin meaning two heads. Opposite the biceps is a second muscle called the triceps brachii, three-headed arm muscle. The muscles have the ability to contract into one. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. We are made one through the power of the Holy Spirit. The biceps are likened into the law and the prophets, which led us into the supernal nature of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit triceps, which are one. The connective tissue attaching the muscle to the bone is a sinew or tendon, meaning to stretch. Tendons are surprisingly strong. In laboratory testing, they withstood a pull of as much as nine tons per square inch before breaking. It can happen that in a violent muscular spasm, the bone to which the muscle was attached will break sooner than the tendon, which connects the muscle to the bone. Tendons serve to, concent to concrete, excuse me, concentrate the full force of the muscle upon one spot. Yahshua the Messiah was Yahweh manifested in the likeness of sinful flesh, sinew. He took all, all our sins upon himself. Isaiah 53 and 5 states, where he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his, and with his stripes, we are healed. Excuse me. Yahshua did all the work of redemption for us. He worked out our salvation by fulfilling the law and the prophets, keeping the law and nailing it to his cross. He wrote his story in each and every one of us. And we are a living testimony unto the plan and purpose of Yahweh Elohim's salvation, Yahshua the Messiah. We must see El. Hallelujah. Thank you. So these are mm -hmm. like two pages in the in the pamphlet, mm -hmm. and they are, you know, beautifully uh, express, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, the, you know, type and shadow of uh, the arm of the structure of mm -hmm. the arm with uh, muscles and uh, tissues, and uh, biceps and triceps, and how mm -hmm. it relates to the purpose of Yahweh. So mm -hmm. I will uh, uh, continue on, and I will show you other aspects on which uh, arm is pointing out to. Okay. Now I would like to share the screen. Let's see yes, if I can yeah. do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, so let me know if you... Yes, we see it. Okay. So if somebody uh, will be reading for me, this would be appreciated. So what I will uh, try to show now, there will be, you know, there are several, uh, several uh, different principles. Uh, the arm 
or sometimes the hand, sometimes, as I said, they, uh, they mean the same thing uh, in the scriptures. What uh, uh, principles of Yahweh they manifest? And in the beginning, what I will try to show how the arm is beautifully, in my view, showing the whole purpose of uh, Yahweh throughout uh, ages. So let's uh, read, please, from the screen. And just, uh, just say where you're reading from. It's Isaiah 46 from 9 to 11. All right, it's Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Thank you. Remember the former things of old, for I am Elohim, and there is none else. I am Elohim, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the, from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. Right. So Isaiah said that he has spoken it, and he will bring it to pass. He purposed it, and how, and he is going to do it. So he is formulating the purpose within himself and he is executing the purpose or uh, uh, bringing it to pass. And how does he do it? I'm just uh, putting a couple uh, scriptures together. So please read. This is Isaiah 14, 24 through 27. Yahweh of hosts hath sworn saying, Surely as, I, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian in my land, and upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all nations. For Yahweh of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? So now you can, you can uh, notice that what Yahweh is purposing, he is going to do it, and he is doing it by his hand, by his stretched hand. So you see the principle of the hand, or of the arm, if you can see later, on is uh, uh, expressing the purpose or Yahweh or working out the purpose. Now, please read. Deuteronomy 5 and 15. And remember that thou was a servant in the land of Egypt and that Yahweh your Elohim brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. And uh, another. Uh, verse, please. Sorry. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever, with a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 136, so, 11, 12. Thank you. So we're going to the law and to the prophets, and there are only just few examples, but there are many more examples talking about uh, of a stretched hand or a stretched arm. And I put these two verses together 
to show to you that the hand and arm uh, go together and sometimes they are interchangeable. And uh, here, here is the Moses chart and I would like you to read uh, John one and one, please. Says John one and one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with Yahweh and the word was Yahweh. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Right, and then let's skip down to verse 14, please. 14th verse, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So it says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. Now, uh, Dr. Kindle, who had the divine vision and revelation, and uh, he described it in part in this chart, he is showing Yahweh around the edges of this uh, chart as a cloud, and this is a state of Yahweh in his pure spirit form. So Yahweh in his pure spirit state, he formulated the purpose and uh, stepped out or took, uh, uh, took on a shape and form, not in totality, but in part as Yahweh Elohim, which is also called the word. Therefore, we read, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of the purpose of Yahweh. It was this word. And this word was Yahweh. It was the same spirit. It, and it was with Yahweh or with the Father because he, as I can put it, you know, in a different term, put on the work clause because now he has to uh, express uh, the purpose or he has to work the purpose. And to work the purpose, he is making the creation as we read in uh, John 1 and 1. So if you look at this chart, you can see that even, you know, this creation, making the creation, you see this creation by the pattern, which involves uh, the days of uh, creation, but it also involves the creation in general, like history, ages and dispensations, it looks like an overstretched arm of Yahweh. It's on this chart. And uh, I would like to show you how his overstretched arm or how arm uh, in the physical body is uh, reflecting uh, this purpose of Yahweh or how it, uh, it's reflecting the purpose which goes through, uh, through the ages. Uh, in Yahweh's purpose. So we are familiar with this chart. This chart shows uh, ages and dispensations. And in particular, what I will uh, try to show you, it's how the arm of a man, it goes according to these three ages. And why there are three ages among these seven ages? Because there are three ages in time and uh, the arm is the part of the physical creation and it would testify 
in part, and I'll tell you later why I'm saying in part, of these three ages in time. So the first age in time, which is called uh, the second age, is um, uh, starting with the fall of Adam, and it ends up with Noah's flood. The uh, third age or second age in the flesh, it uh, starts right after uh, the flood with Noah, and it ends with the death of Yahshua the Messiah on the cross in 33 uh, AD. And the third age in the flesh or fourth age uh, on this chart is uh, uh, starts on the day of Pentecost and it will uh, end with universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah. And this is the arm. And you will see how this portion of the arm or the hand corresponds to the second age and how this uh, forearm uh, uh, corresponds to the third age and how the upper uh, arm or humerus uh, corresponds to the fourth age. So let's uh, look at this uh, first age in the flesh on the second age on this, um, on this chart. As I said, it starts with the fall of Adam, when Adam and Eve partook of the uh, uh, forbidden uh, fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then the time uh, started or the history uh, started. And uh, you will see that it's uh, divided in two parts, not the first part, actually the hand can be divided into parts as well. So in the first part with the fingers, it's related to uh, Adam and his family. And the second part uh, relates to Noah because there are, you see it's kind of divided into two dispensations, Adamic dispensations and uh, uh, Noah uh, dispensations. And it reflects you know, in, the, in the hand as well. So if you look at the hand, and so we have uh, five fingers. And these five fingers would correlate to uh, first uh, five uh, uh, people who were on the face of the world. Uh, so the first, uh, the thumb is uh, likened to Adam. So the second uh, finger next to Adam, it was Adam's wife, Eve. Now the third uh, finger is Cain. And you know, this finger is taller than all other fingers. And again, the principle is that this finger is like being above all others. And it's showing forth the principle of the mystery of iniquity, who wants to be uh, above the most high, as we read in um, uh, Isaiah, uh, well, we have some time. Why don't we go to Isaiah 14 and 12 and read Isaiah 14 and 12? Isaiah 14 and 12. 
How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of El. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yes, so he wants to be above the stars of the heaven, which is stars likened to all other angels. And it's shown here with a hand, with this middle finger, or Cain, and we know that Cain uh, was a type of a mystery of iniquity because he uh, killed his brother. And uh, his brother, Abel, Abel, who was uh, killed, he's a, you know, he's a type of the uh, righteous son and the son who uh, has to be uh, killed in this uh, sense. He is a type of Yahshua the Messiah because Yahshua the Messiah uh, had to uh, had to be uh, killed, and uh, you know this uh, particular finger, as we know, is called ring finger, because when people are getting married, they usually put the uh, golden ring or the wedding ring on this particular uh, finger, pointing out that uh, uh, Abel. Abel in the scriptures is uh, glorified as the righteous son. And uh, the last uh, finger is pointing out to Seth because Adam had and Eve had uh, three sons, Cain, Abel, and Seth. So the fingers, you know, is pointing out to uh, Adam and his family. Now, then if you look at the middle, you know, of the hand, you know, I, I found this, all these pictures, I didn't make them up, I found them on the internet. So, and it's supposed to show you a sweaty uh, hand. And when people are exercised or when they're really uh, anxious or worried or stressed out, there is a sweat appears, you know, on the palm of the hand. Why is it so? Uh, because as I uh, tried and am trying to show, you know, this part of the hand, it's correlating to the flood uh, with Noah, because that's the way uh, Yahweh is uh, making uh, uh, the man to, uh, and in this particular instance, the arm, the hand and the arm to reflect his purpose. And then if we look, you know, in the bones, of the hand, we'll find out that you know the uh, flood started. We uh, looked, uh, we showed it with the palm, and like uh, after the palm, we see these uh, bones uh, in the wrist. And if you number these bones, there are eight bones in the wrist. And why there are eight bones? Because we read that uh, eight people were saved in the ark mm -hmm. uh, during the flood. It was Noah and uh, his wife, uh, his three uh, sons and the wives of his sons. 
eight people total. So it's manifested by eight bones in the wrist. It's not only that, uh, let's see, but there is one particular bone which is called scaphoid bone, as you can see. And what does a scaphoid means? If you look up scaphoid, it means boat shaped. So that's why, you know, Yahweh caused people to call one of the bones a scaphoid to have the principle of the boat because all these eight people were saved in the ark. Right. Now, after that, we uh, uh, go to the uh, four, uh, no, oh, that's not all of it. Uh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead. So if you look at the hand, and this is again, this is anatomy uh, atlas, you'll find out that the hand consists of 27 bones altogether. So this is a scientific fact. Now let's read in Genesis 8 from 14 to 16. Genesis 8 and 14. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dry. And Elohim spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. So this this is another witness of, uh, you know, the hand is uh, correlating with the, uh, uh, with the uh, time of Noah because this 27 bones in the hand correlates in here with the uh, 27th of the month, which is the second month. And the first month it's uh, a beep, so it would be likened to May, 27th of May. And there is a, the same number is here. Now, the second part of the arm, I think it's called forearm, is uh, correlating with the third age. And what was significant in this third age? You see, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's starting with the uh, Abrahamic uh, uh, promise and it's um, ending up with the old uh, covenant or with Mosaic covenant given to Moses. But what happened with uh, uh, Abraham as we read in the scriptures? So Abraham had two sons and the son from uh, the bond woman from Hagar was called Ishmael. And then uh, the son from uh, his uh, wife, his beloved wife, Sarah uh, was second born. It was the son of the promise. promise he was called Isaac. And uh, from there, the division uh, happened in the purpose of Yahweh, or the people uh, divided into uh, uh, Jewish nation, Hebrew nation, and uh, Gentile nation. So like if you're uh, familiar with the Quran or with uh, Islam, you'll find out that they uh, have they uh, trace their lineage from uh, Abraham and from uh, Ishmael, because they all descendants, you know, Arab nations are descendants of Ishmael. Now in Judaism, 
they trace their descendants also from uh, the father Abraham. It's a common father from uh, uh, Arabs and uh, from uh, for uh, Hebrew nation. But in Hebrew nation, it's uh, coming from Isaac, not from Ishmael. So the division happened into uh, uh, Hebrews and uh, Arabs or into the Jews later on into the Jews and Gentiles. And this is reflected uh, in the bones because uh, in the bones, let's see if you look at this picture and we can see these bones are represented here. These two bones uh, are called uh, ulna and uh, radius bones. Now, if you look up ulna, it means uh, you can look it up in a dictionary, but if you look it up, the meaning of ulna is elbow. And elbow, if you divide elbow into parts, it means bow to L. And it's, uh, uh, it's the feature or it's uh, showing forth the uh, Jewish nation because they were chosen uh, of Elohim and they were bowing to Elohim. So the ulna would, be, uh, would represent the Jews. Now, if you look up uh, radius, radius, one of the meanings of uh, uh, radius in the dictionary, it means spoke of a chariot wheel. And we know from the Bible, when we read about chariots, we read about chariots uh, in uh, Egypt, when Pharaoh and his army was following the children of uh, uh, Israel after you know, they uh, tried to leave uh, Exodus on the horses and chariots. So the chariots would be likened to Egyptians or Gentiles. So you see a representation in uh, our arm uh, with the two bones, this division into the Jews and Gentiles. Now, what was happening though, what was happening uh, in the elbow or after this uh, elbow. So elbow is connected uh, forearm and upper arm, which is called humerus. And if you look at the uh, connection with the ligaments, it has like a cross-like structure because it's pointing out to the end of the division between the Jews and Gentiles and the beginning of unity because these two bones uh, represent again, you know, the division or its old covenant and this one uh, bone of the upper arm, which is the strongest bone is represents uh, unity or represents new covenant. And if you, you have to, it has to be cross and the cross is manifested in this ligaments here. And also it's uh, manifested, let me go back. It's manifested in this, you know, big uh, uh, lettuce, it's called elbow joint. 
So joint, it's been jointing, joint, or joining together these Jews and Gentiles into one. And mm. what has to happen again, again, the people have to bow down to Elohim. You know, both Jews and Gentiles have to accept the sacrifice of Yahshua the Messiah, that uh, he died, you know, to fulfill or to bring to the end this old covenant or covenant of works so, so that the Jews and Gentiles can be uh, united, not in the flesh, because there is no unity in the flesh, but they can be united in the spirit with Yahshua the Messiah. And, uh, and by the way, here you remember on the cross, it uh, 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 says when uh, Yahshua, well, let's read uh, John 19 and 30. There is another witness. John, John 19 and 30. When Yahshua therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. So you see, he bowed. And who was Yahshua? Yahshua was Elohim. He is not different from Elohim. In the, uh, in the pamphlet, in the beginning, it was talking about the unity of the Godhead. So Yahshua is Elohim, and Elohim is bowed and gave up his spirit. And without it, this unity in him would not be possible. So that's, again, this bone, and this is the strongest bone in the arm, represents the new covenant, or the fourth age, or the covenant of unity. So let's. Uh, let's get some scriptural uh, witnesses to that. Well, one of them we just uh, read, and let's read it again. It was in the scripture reading. It's uh, Ephesians 4th chapter and verse 4, I think. It's Ephesians 4 and 4. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Elohim, one faith, one immersion. One is Yahweh and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Thank you. So there is a, a showing the unity in uh, Yahweh. So let's uh, uh, please read from the screen. Who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? Isaiah 53 and 1 and 2. So in the time of uh, Isaiah, the purpose of Yahweh wasn't revealed uh, to the people because remember the arm is representing the purpose of Yahweh. But when it was revealed, it was revealed after elbow, so to speak, or after uh, the day of, after death, burial, resurrection, and pouring out the Holy Spirit of uh, uh, Yahshua. This is Ephesians 3 and 3 through 6. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of, Yah of the Messiah, 
which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in the Messiah by the gospel. Right. Uh, yeah, please uh, continue reading, please. Ephesians 3 and 11 through 16. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time, time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time ye were without the Messiah being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without Yahweh in the world but now in Yahshua the Messiah ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of the Messiah for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto Yahweh in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Thank you. And uh, another one, please. Galatians 3 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Ne there is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor free, female. For ye all are, excuse me, for ye are all one in Yahshua Messiah. Right. So that's how this purpose is uh, manifested by, by the uh, arm. But now, yeah. We may ask, well, you know, it's kind of, uh, it's all interesting, but it's, uh, it's like in the past, the Jews and uh, Gentiles, well, and we are for the most part uh, Gentiles, so now we are in uh, Yasha uh, together, but also bringing together the Jews and Gentiles, you know, from this uh, division. In the, in the third age under this new, under this old covenant into the u, unity under the new covenant. It's, uh, you know, it's uh, really spiritually relevant to what's happening within us, within our soul. Well, let me show you this. So let's read Romans uh, seventh chapter. So apostle Paul is talking about himself and he is talking about himself. And while, we, while we're reading that, I would like you to look at this forearm because that's what he is describing. Paul is under this old covenant and he's describing the split, a, a division in his soul into two parts as manifested by this arm. All right. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of Yahweh after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah, our master. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of Yahweh 
but with the flesh, the law of sin. Right. This is a very significant scripture, and it can be very confusing scripture. And mm. I know because I'm talking as we speak, really, uh, with the Russian Christians about this particular issue, and they are convinced that uh, the believers in the Messiah, of course, they don't call him Yasha, they call him in Russia, it's uh, Isus, because there is, they don't say J, uh, uh, but they don't call him Yasha. But uh, they say that Christians or believers uh, in, the, uh, in Christ, they have two natures in them. So they have Christ in them who cannot sin, and they, ha they have a sinful nature. So, and they say what we read now uh, in Romans seventh chapter, that's exactly their state and condition. The people are divided within themselves and they don't understand the purpose of Yahweh. They don't uh, uh, understand that uh, uh, Yahweh's purpose is to bring two in one as we uh, read about Jews and Gentiles, but it's not different from what's happening within a man's uh, soul. So let's continue reading, which is eighth chapter of, uh, beginning of eighth chapter of Romans. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Messiah or Christ Jesus, who walk well, not after the flesh, but after yeah, it's Yahshua the Messiah. I I, I forgot to substitute. <laughs> I apologize. No worries. No worries. Mm -hmm. I'll start over. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Yahshua the Messiah, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Yahshua the Messiah hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So what, uh, so Yahshua doesn't, uh, you know, he didn't fail his mission. So he didn't fail his mission, not being able to unite people. And the people who have the Holy Spirit, they're not schizophrenics. Schizophrenics, I mean, people who are divided within themselves but uh, they are united and they are free from the law of uh, sin and death. Continue reading, please. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 through 18. Therefore, if any man be in the Messiah, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of Yahweh, who hath reconciled us to himself by Yahshua the Messiah, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So he reconciled us to himself by Yahshua the Messiah. Paul says in uh, Galatians second chapter, sec, uh, two, uh, well, let's read it. Uh, Galatians two, I think verses 19 and 20. That's Galatians two and 19. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto Yahweh. I am crucified with the Messiah, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but the Messiah liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of Yahweh, who loved me and gave himself for me. Right. 
So it's Yahshua, the Messiah, uh, lives uh, through Paul, and I, uh, and hopefully he lives through us because we are not divided anymore. The Holy Spirit is in a, a control of our soul or our conscience, and we uh, do uh, all his pleasure as he prophesied in, uh, 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 I believe in Ezekiel 36 chapter, that I will cause you to walk in my statues. So this is unity. And if you re uh, look at this uh, last scripture, we read from the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 8, it's uh, that all things of Yahweh who had reconciled us to himself by Yahshua the Messiah and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So, and we are charged with the preaching of the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. And this gospel is that Yahshua died for our sins and he removed our sins. So he, we can be righteous in him, not with our own righteousness, but we can have righteousness of Yahshua. And the scripture says in 1 John 3:19 that he who is born of Yahweh does not sin because he cannot sin anymore. So what we read in uh, Romans 7 chapter, it was under this old covenant uh, and the person was divided. And we, if we're honest with ourselves before we come to class or before we receive the understanding of uh, uh, Yahshua, we know that we're divided within ourselves because our soul is looking for peace and uh, uh, cannot have this peace. But the peace which we find, we find this peace in Yahshua, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's, what's the uh, kind of the top or part of the arm? Would you say that this is the shoulder? Right. You know, kind of, let's read about uh, the shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty Elohim, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Thank you. So it's talking about, it's a prophecy about Yahshua the Messiah. And it says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. So it means he is going to rule over everything. So if you can put uh, you and me, if we can put you know, our life, give it to him or entrust it to him and to entrust it to him, to entrust our life or ourselves to him. We have to know about him. We really have to have faith. And faith in Hebrew, it really means trust. And we cannot trust anybody. We shouldn't actually trust anybody or anything without multiple witnesses. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important to come to class and hear witnesses after witnesses after witnesses how 
uh, to the name Yahshua, that Yahweh is salvation, Yahweh is salvation, so we can put um, our uh, cares upon him and uh, it will be upon his shoulder and what will happen and happen that it will be peace without no end. Uh, it reminds me something. Let's go to Exodus uh, 20th chapter and let's start reading from verse one. So these uh, uh, 10 commandments are given and we read in Exodus 20th chapter. Exodus 20 and one. And Yahweh spake all these words saying, I am Yahweh thy Elohim, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other Elohim before me. That's, that's what, yeah, that's what I want. I just want mm -hmm. this part. I know we can work with this in details. You shall not have any other Elohim before me. And what does it mean? Again, spiritually speaking, so Elohim, if we look up Elohim, it means mighty. It means mighty one, might. You shall have no other might or force except me. So don't think, well, you know, this is, I'll take care of this thing and I don't need any help or people trying to help God, you know, to do something or people try to say, well, you know, I made the decision to, uh, to follow Jesus as my savior in Christianity or I made the decision to come and stick in, uh, in class uh, for a while and therefore Yahweh is uh, blessing me. No, if you're saying you made a decision and uh, Yahweh's actions depend on my decision, it means I put my might before him. And this is the first and very important commandment. Don't put any other might before him because he is the only one, the only thing he wants us to really understand as Dr. Kinney was bringing up many times to come to uh, understanding of the ever presence of Yahweh. Right. You know, the first or the main commandment which was given to Israel to the physical Israel. And it also pertains to spiritual Israel. It says uh, here, or Israel, Yahweh, your Elohim is unity. And not only unity, but he is the one. He is one, he is. There is nothing exist besides him, really. Because we are all our soul, our physical body, whatever we have a, you know, deal with, it's all part of the spirit and purpose of Yahweh. Right. Now, let's see if I can move the screen. So what happens after this fourth uh, age, after the age in the flesh? Now we're waiting for the universal revelation of Yahshua the Messiah. And this will be the life in the spirit. And this is also manifested in our physical body. It's not necessarily the part of the arm, but I would say, <laughs> and uh, uh, literally and uh, figuratively, it's connected. 
you know, it's connected to the arm and it's connected, you know, uh, uh, to the purpose of Yahweh. And I'm talking about this part, which you can see, which with the scapula. Now, if you look at the uh, uh, sc uh, scapulas, the scapulas, you know, if you look at the man, you look at the person, so they are behind. So they are like what happens next or behind. In the principle, what happens after or after the flesh. Therefore, it's like on the back. And the scapulas uh, are called, if I'm not mistaken, the little wings. So they represent the wings. And they show that uh, after this physical creation is over, we will be like angels, you know, uh, which manifested in the wings or will be the heavenly or spiritual uh, creatures. Mm. And all, also, if you look at the uh, anatomy of the human body, so where these uh, scapulas are, so they're behind, but behind what? So they're behind um, sternum. You see the sternum and uh, clavicles, two clavicles and sternum in our chest cavity and clavicle, uh, uh, clavicles and sternum represents the figure of the cross. So it's happening uh, after the cross because it's happening both spiritually and uh, mm -hmm. uh, in a, uh, in a, from the historical, not historical, but the, uh, from the point of view of this big purpose. But spiritually speaking, so we are become the new creature or heavenly creature or receive the Holy Spirit after the cross, after we believe in death, burial, resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, and he gives us the Holy Spirit, we are translated in the kingdom. And we are like a butterfly, uh, uh, spiritually speaking. But in the terms of ages and dispensations, it's going to be manifested you know, with the scapulas when we go to the new age and we will receive uh, glorified spiritual bodies like uh, Yashua's glorified body. So um, let's, uh, let's read again. I'm, mm -hmm. I think I'm coming to, uh, I want to talk about some other, another aspect of Yahweh's purpose. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 53, 1 and 2. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? Now, this is another thing about the arm of Yahweh, which uh, we're kind of going back to the fingers, but it's, uh, uh, it's important to notice. You know, there is a uh, nail. We have nails in the fingers. And you see, this particular, um, uh, you know, shape in our nail. Some people uh, have it more vividly, some people less vividly demarked. Uh, 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 but I would tell you from the beginning, from the physical standpoint, it really doesn't matter if people have it, if people don't have it, because usually it doesn't really play any uh, physiological role. Sometimes 
it may uh, manifest some different kind of diseases if the color changes or something like that. But if people have it, but many people have this uh, uh, particular shape, which is like crescent shape, and it's called lunula. And lunula, it means moon. So it's kind of, we have a moon in our nails. So why is it uh, so? Well, we have the nails in our hands and in our feet, again, to testify to the purpose because Yasha was uh, nailed uh, to the cross in his uh, hands and in his feet. Now, and I know that uh, sometimes when I talk to people about that and they say, no, this you're really uh, kind of making this thing up because in Latin, in Greek, uh, in Russian, in Hebrew, you know, the nails uh, in the, on the fingers and the nails which you uh, like uh, useful as a tool, I think they have a different words. So my answer would be, you know, it's the part of Yahweh's purpose that he purposed that they, in the end of this age, and he said through the, uh, through the prophet Daniel, that the knowledge shall increase, will increase in the end time. And that's what we see now with this uh, blossoming of uh, internet, uh, Google, and uh, things we learn in our class that knowledge is increasing and that the universal language is going to be English language. So therefore he has made English language to reflect different parts of his purpose. For example, like letter Y, which is in English, the first letter of the name Yahweh. You can see it in the branches, you can see in people's faces in different languages. It doesn't happen, but English is the universal language. And in this particular time, it reflects the purpose of Yahweh. So what does this moon uh, represent? Because Lunala means the moon. Now, moon represents the old covenant. How come? What are the witnesses? Let's read uh, uh, Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, uh, start verses, uh, I, let's see if I put it uh, here, it's maybe right here. Yeah, it's right here. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. So Second um, Corinthians chapter three, verses seven and eight. That's Second Corinthians three and seven. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation, condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. Thank you. So Paul is comparing old covenant with new covenant, old covenant administration of death. But he, he said it's, uh, it's glorious. He, he's kind of uh, comparing it with a lesser light, if I can put it this way. And the new covenant is more glorious or it's a greater light. So 
the new covenant or greater light would be a light during the day or sun light. And the old covenant, it would be the light during the night because the humankind before death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, or actually before the day of Pentecost, spiritually was in darkness. So this light of this old covenant would be likened to the moon or less glorious light. Let's get another uh, witness, Jeremiah 31, 35. Mm -hmm. It's Jeremiah 31 and 35. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thus saith Yahweh, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinances of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. Yahweh of hosts is his name. Thank you. So he is talking about the moon. He is talking about ordinances of the moon. And uh, we know that ordinances, you know, in Yahweh's uh, purpose are, uh, it's talking about uh, this uh, old covenant because there are no uh, new Testament ordinances in contrast to what some uh, religious uh, uh, denominations trying to tell people like what a baptism is a Christian ordinance or Lord's Supper or Eucharist is a Christian ordinance. Not all ordinances are done away with. And how they done away with? Let's read from Colossians. It's Colossians 2 and 14. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that, that was against us, which was co contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So you see the witness in our physical body, in the hand that this uh, lunula or old uh, uh, covenant and nail go together, pointing out that this uh, old uh, covenant uh, is nailed to the cross. Uh, let's see. So let me uh, go to uh, another part uh, because there is, again, as I said in the beginning, there are several uh, interesting uh, principles with the hand or with the arm in the scriptures. And I want to talk about the scriptures and how different things in the scriptures uh, can be understood. All right, Isaiah 53, 1 and 2. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Thank you. So this is a, a prophecy about Yahshua the Messiah. And we already had uh, talked about it, that this arm, whom the arm of Yahweh is revealed. Now it's in the same scripture. It's linked to Yahshua the Messiah. So the arm uh, or the hand, it's uh, talking about Yahshua the Messiah. Continue on reading. Exodus 32 and 11. And Moses besought Yahweh his Elohim and said, Yahweh, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people? 
which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. So it's talking, so he delivered children of Israel with his mighty hand. And uh, we know that it's uh, Yahshua delivered the children of Israel. So he is this mighty uh, hand. Um, right, the, the second uh, uh, scripture on this okay. Exodus, screen, please. Exodus 15, 6. Thy right hand, O Yahweh, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Yahweh, hath dashed in many, excuse me, in pieces the enemy. Right, and that's interesting because in many places in the Bible, and I'm sure you remember uh, some of them or many of them, it's talking about the right hand of uh, Yahweh with, uh, in relation to Yahshua, the Messiah. So let's uh, read some other places. Psalms 110 and 1. Yahweh said unto my master, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Mark 12 and 36 and 37. And Yahshua answered and said, while he yet taught in the temple, excuse me, and Yahshua answered and said, while he yet taught in the temple, how say the scribes that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy, excuse me, for David himself said by the Holy Ghost, Yahweh said unto my master, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Right, so uh, Yahshua in fulfillment, uh, quoting uh, the Psalm and uh, He's, uh, he's pretty much quoting the psalm which uh, prophesying about him because he is, uh, you know, this master who is sitting on the right hand of Yahweh, which later apostles uh, would uh, directly say. First Peter 3, 21-22. Well, 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 let's uh, read from the top, please. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a whole different page. I'm sorry. Uh, that's Acts 7 and 5, 55. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of Yahweh and Yahshua standing on the right hand of Yahweh. Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is the Messiah that died, yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of Yahweh, who also maketh intercession for us. In 1 Peter 3, 21-22. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward Yahweh by the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of Yahweh, angels and authorities and powers being made subject to him right so it's as as we say you know in many scriptures and uh, you know in this latest scriptures it's talking about uh, yashua uh, sitting or being at the right hand of yahweh and in christianity who take everything uh, literally actually if you didn't know it's a, it's a rule, I, I don't make it up. I read it in several places. It's a rule of Christian interpretation saying that unless it's directly 
uh, says in the Bible to take it uh, figuratively, everything else should be interpreted literally. That's the rule of interpretation. And that's the picture they have. Mm -hmm. So they have the picture of Jesus with the cross. So apparently flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, but the wooden cross can, as I understand uh, this uh, uh, painting. And of course, by the way, there is a, a trinity because there's a, there is a dove in between them. So this is a holy trinity, but uh, Jesus is on the right uh, hand uh, of the Father uh, among these uh, angels. And there is uh, another picture like that. But uh, how, what, what's, uh, how to understand it? Because uh, everything, you know, as we read, everything uh, uh, physical uh, should be and can be and should be understood uh, uh, spiritually. And spiritually speaking, again, it's uh, Yahshua. Yahshua is the hand of the Father. It's the purpose of the Father. So, and it's uh, like the hand is working out, you know, the uh, purpose. And usually in a majority of the people, I would say the right hand is the strongest uh, hand. So therefore, and in, uh, uh, at, in this uh, uh, ancient time, uh, during, uh, you know, during the time of the Messiah or the time of the prophets, the uh, right hand, it was the uh, symbol of authority. It was the symbol of power. So it's pointing out that uh, Yahshua is uh, manifesting uh, the purpose of Yahweh, and he is at the uh, uh, right hand because he is, uh, uh, he is bringing it to pass as, as we read in the beginning. Now, the question may uh, arise, what, uh, what about uh, uh, the left hand? What's the function of the left hand? So let's, let's read the, uh, Leviticus chapter 14 and verse 16. Mm -hmm. That's Leviticus 14 and 16. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle of the oil with his finger seven times before Yahweh. Right. So uh, it's saying here that uh, you know, when the high priest on the day of atonement is uh, performing his uh, uh, duties, he's using both hands. So in the left uh, hand, he has oil, and by the right hand, he is uh, sprinkling uh, this uh, uh, oil. So the, the both, both uh, uh, hands are needed. I, I understand that I kind of jumped ahead, let me go back a second uh, to the right hand because I forgot to express something. Uh, I th thought it's uh, interesting. What is being fulfilled? What Because Yahshua is fulfilling what's written about him in the law and in the prophets. So what mm -hmm. he is fulfilling by being in the right hand of Yahweh. 
Well, he is fulfilling both the law and the, and the prophets. So in the law, he is uh, uh, fulfilling uh, Benjamin. You remember Benjamin? Mm -hmm. He was, uh, uh, yes. you know, the last uh, son of uh, uh, Jacob. And uh, Benjamin, when he was born, his mother had to die. So mm -hmm. his mother would be uh, representing like, uh, like old self. And uh, the Benjamin being born is kind of representing this new birth when the old uh, had to go and this new will, uh, you know, will come to life. So it's, uh, it's a picture of the spiritual birth of the new uh, creature in uh, Yahshua the Messiah, as we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And you know what the name uh, Benjamin means? The name Benjamin means the son of my right hand. So Benjamin is the son of the right hand. So Yahshua is the son of the right hand, being on the right hand of the father or Yahweh. Now in the prophets, we read the Psalm um, uh, 110 and one, I think it was when uh, David is saying that uh, uh, his master talking about Yahshua is uh, sitting on the uh, right hand of Yahweh. And it also says in the scriptures, I don't have time to go there, that uh, Yahshua prophetically will be the son of uh, David. And we know that. Mm -hmm. Now, Benjamin, I forgot. Uh, so uh, we see again, uh, David is talking about Yahshua being um, uh, the son of the right hand in the prophets. And David was born in Bethlehem, the same city Yahshua was born in. So he's a type of Yahshua, the Messiah. And uh, by the way, Benjamin as well, he was born in Bethlehem. So they all pointing to Yahshua, the Messiah. Now going back to the both hands, to uh, right hand and left hand. So on the day of atonement, which according to Jewish calendar happened today, and according to Yahweh's calendar is going to happen uh, pretty soon on October uh, 10th, uh, it was important to use two hands and both hands are important in Yahweh's purpose. Now, if we look how these uh, hands or arms were used in uh, other places of the scriptures, the people were laying hands on people. And that's a very important uh, uh, principle. Uh, and then I'll go back to this um, uh, left hand. So let's read, um, for example, Leviticus 4 uh, and start with verse 1. Mm -hmm. Leviticus 4 and 1. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of Yahweh concerning things which ought not to be done and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let him bring for his sin, which he has sinned, 
a young bullock without blemish unto Yahweh for a sin offering. And he shall bring the bullock into the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before Yahweh and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before Yahweh. Right. So the priest had to lay a uh, hand upon the bullock and, uh, and then the bullock will be killed. But what's the, again, what's the uh, significance, uh, spiritual significance of this? So it's like laying hands, like on, on the animal in this case, it would be transferring something from the person who laid the hand you know, to the ob to the animal or another person in this case, animal uh, to which the uh, hand is laid upon. So mm -hmm. the sin of the priest is laid upon the innocent animal. So therefore, the animal it becomes uh, guilty, or the innocent animal, uh, you know, becomes you know takes upon itself the sin of the person. Mm -hmm. So the person, the animal will die instead or in place of the sinful or guilty person. And mm -hmm. this is the type of the atonement of Yahshua, uh, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Now let's read about it uh, uh, also, talking about the atonement, Leviticus 16 verses from 20 to 22. Mm -hmm. Leviticus 16 and 20. And when he hath made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man until the wilderness. Right. So this is this is a story in the atonement that we just don't have time to read about the, the first uh, uh, goat. Is, there, there were two goats. You mm -hmm. know, one goat was for the sin offering. He had to be uh, sacrificed there. And we are reading about the second goat, which is also called the scapegoat. Mm -hmm. And uh, there, is, there is a division in, uh, between the scholars who this uh, scapegoat represent. Some saying it represents the savior, some saying it represents uh, Satan. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's all talking about uh, Yahshua, the Messiah. And you see both hands are laid upon this uh, goat and... Uh, the sins of the people symbolically are transferred to this goat. And what this goat does, it takes these sins away. He runs into the wilderness or he runs away from, uh, you know, from the, um, um, uh, from the congregation of, uh, of Israel, from, uh, uh, from the camp. That's the word I was looking for. From, from the camp of Israel. Now the first goat which had to die for the sins of the people and the second goat or scapegoat, they represent two functions of Yahshua's sacrifice because Yahshua uh, represents, is represented by both of these goats. 
The first one is Yahshua taking upon himself our sins and he dies for our sins. So we uh, will be spared. We, our sins will be forgiven and uh, we are not going to be punished for our sins. And this is a very important uh, function of Yahshua's uh, sacrifice and the Christianity agrees with that. Mm -hmm. The second function though, is the scapegoat. You see, he takes the sin and he takes the sins away from the camp of Israel, symbolically showing that by Yahshua's sacrifice, the Israel is cleansed and there is no more sin in Israel. Mm -hmm. well, as John and 1 John 3 and 9 says, those who are born of Yahweh does not commit uh, sin. And that's what Christianity uh, cannot uh, see because mm -hmm. they, because they didn't, I mean, uh, they, why? Because they didn't uh, hear the true gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, which we are preaching through the uh, Zoom classes and physical classes in hope that everybody would hear this gospel and those who are chosen by uh, Yahshua will come to the knowledge uh, mm -hmm. of the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, the hands are also laid uh, to transfer uh, uh, sins as we uh, read here, but it's also to transfer uh, other things like transferring authority or transfer the health. Uh, I probably won't have time to go through it, uh, but uh, in terms of the light uh, left and right hand, because I think I have like 15 minutes left and I will maybe try to finish like in 10 minutes. So there will be time for the questions. Uh, I would, would like to go to the left hand and right hand. So let's uh, go to uh, two scriptures. One is Numbers chapter 27. And I would like uh, uh, start reading from ver verse, please uh, read uh, verses 18 and 19, please. And what's happening if you look in this uh, chart? So we are uh, in the end of uh, Israel's journey for 40 years, mm -hmm. and they're ready to go to through rivers Jordan to the Canaan's land. And Moses, uh, he sinned against Yahweh and uh, he cannot go to Canaan's land. And uh, Yahweh is telling him who is going to take children of Israel to this Canaan's land, which is the promised land. That's what we're reading about. Mm -hmm. That's Numbers 27 and 18. And Yahweh said unto Moses, take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit and lay thy hand upon him and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before Yahweh. At this word shall they go out and at his word they shall come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him, 
even all the congregation. And right. Moses. Mm -hmm. Okay, what, what verse are you on? I'm on 22. Oh, yeah, continue on. Okay. Thank you. And Moses did as Yahweh commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar, the priest, and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as Yahweh commanded by the hand of Moses. Right. So uh, uh, Moses laid uh, his hands on Joshua and uh, gave uh, Joshua his uh, charge. Mm -hmm. uh, please go to Deuteronomy 34 and 9. 34 and 9. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom. For, yet, for Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as, as Yahweh commanded Moses. Right. So again, it's uh, symbolically what we hear, what we see here is through the laying of hands. It, it was like authority or like a spirit or kind of some spiritual essence from Moses was transferred to uh, Joshua, son of Nun. So Joshua, of son of Nun, uh, symbolically received the double portion of the spirit. And he became in charge. So if you look at this uh, track of children of Israel, so we know that uh, uh, Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he used Moses as his mediator to work with the children of Israel for all these 40 years. But after that, uh, you know, Joshua, who is actually Yahshua, son of Nun, he received the double portion of the spirit to uh, lead the children of Israel to the promised land, to the Canaan's land. Now, this story is allegorical. We know that this story is about um, exodus of our soul from the uh, Egypt of this world or uh, from the darkness of this world uh, to, uh, to the spirit of Yasha or to the kingdom of Yasha, the Messiah. And, uh, you know, this double portion of the spirit is involved here as well. And that's what these two hands represent. The left hand is one portion of the spirit and the second hand is uh, you know, another portion of the spirit. So there is a double portion of the spirit. But let's um, read, well, I don't want to uh, leave time. So you can read it in uh, Second Kings, second chapter about uh, Elisha, how Elisha received from Elijah the double portion of the spirit as, uh, as well. And uh, uh, in fulfillment, let's read uh, Matthew third chapter, like uh, three uh, and 16. So in Matthew third chapter, we read uh, the baptism of uh, Yahshua uh, by the John the Baptist. And that's what we read what happened uh, next. That's Matthew 3 and 16. And Yahshua, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the spirit of Elohim descending like a dove and lighting upon him. 
And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right, so in Christianity, the thing, the picture of Trinity, but in reality, it's the picture of unity shown that Yahshua, he is all, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. But also, it's showing, you know, the Spirit like a dove, so it's Yahshua like receiving the double portion of the Spirit, because in fulfillment, you remember that um, uh, 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 Moses had to lay hands on uh, Joshua, son of Nun, to transfer uh, his authority or his uh, spirit before uh, uh, Yahshua will lead children of Israel to Canaan's land. So at the baptism, uh, John the Baptist laying hands on Yahshua when Yahshua is baptized, and we see symbolically the double portion of the spirit is coming on Yahshua, and later we read in the scriptures that uh, John the Baptist, who was born with the Holy Spirit, now he uh, lost it because he is asking, is this, you know, the same Yahshua? Is he is, uh, the one or he is not the one? Although, you know, at the Baptist, he said, oh, this is the one, you know. So it's uh, the same picture of a double portion uh, of the Spirit. Now, with the disciples, you know, I'm trying to cut it short. Uh, with the disciples, Yahshua the Messiah, he is prophesying to them for uh, three and a half uh, years. Uh, he is talking about the kingdom of uh, Yahweh. So, and uh, he is giving them, you know, the scriptures. He is pointing out how the scriptures are testifying uh, about uh, him, about his uh, death, burial, resurrection. So this would be likened to receiving uh, the vision or to the left uh, hand, but uh, they still don't have the Holy Spirit and they still don't have the understanding of the purpose of Yahweh. It's only after uh, uh, resurrection of Yahshua and outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he lays on them, so to speak, his right hand as well, or sprinkle on them, you know, this uh, oil, and they uh, they are born of the Spirit when they receive the revelation, because there are two uh, phases or two hands in this particular manifestation in Yahweh's purpose. It's vision and uh, revelation. And let me, and uh, like Matthew, let's read Matthew 13 and 23. It's mm -hmm. explanation of the parable of the sower and the seed. Mm -hmm. Matthew 13 and 23. But yes. he that receiveth seed unto the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth. Some in hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Yes, so the preaching the word or hearing the word mm -hmm. is uh, left hand and understanding the word in the right hand. And the same thing is happening with us because Yahweh, it's not uh, your friend, it's not your family member, it's Yahweh bringing us with his right uh, hand or with his mm -hmm overstretched hand out of Egypt, out of this world to class when we can hear the true gospel 
of Yahshua the Messiah. And he gives us the vision or puts the left hand on our shoulder and he gives us the revelation or puts his uh, right hand and he tra transferring to us or imparting uh, on us uh, his spirit to accomplish his purpose to achieve salvation. So thank you very much for your attention. Hopefully it was uh, clear and uh, praise be to Yasha. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, um, Dr. Lipnanovich. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, you actually, um, I know you said we had time for questions. There was something you mentioned. There was a um, brother and I was talking with recently that um, they were they were presenting the gospel to someone and the person pretty much accepted everything, but the problem they had was with the why and how we say, you know, the why is in the trees and all that. So, well, wait a minute, if he gave his name, if it was Hebrew, how could it be a why? So when you mentioned how English is the universal language and it's pointing to, you know, how Yahweh is universal, that, that helped. So um, I think I will advise that uh, brethren to listen to this class so they can get that. And then maybe if there are more questions to reach out, but that was very helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, there are several, several words. For example, atonement, that's one of the words in English, mm -hmm. which really explains what atonement is. Mm -hmm. okay. At one meant. One meant, yeah. At one meant, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyone have any questions or comments? No? Okay. So yes, I do. I do. Okay. Okay, I'm, I'm busy, so I am going to be asked this question and I'm going to listen. But, uh, okay, according to the Gregorian calendar, April, mm -hmm. ABIB is the first month of the year, right? Right, correct. So, what I want to know is okay, when we say that October, which is now, which mm -hmm. is the Day of Atonement coming up, is, is we saying that according to the Gregorian calendar, or are we saying it according to Yahshua's purpose? Uh, it's uh, it's according to uh, Yahshua's purpose. It was October. We we say it's tenth month, but according to uh, Yahweh's calendar, it's not tenth month because the month starts with yeah, because it, it would be September, right? Right. Well, okay. I have That's to count probably... from April, right? Right. Yes, to, April will put you to September. That's what I wanted to know. So it's according to the Gregorian calendar, which we physically would say that. Yeah, so September, yeah, so October, I think it would be uh, six months, I believe, according to Actually, the calendar. Is it? I'm, I'm sorry, if you don't mind, I'd like to, to, to oh, make please. this point. Um, the Gregorian calendar is the calendar that we use in this Western hemisphere that starts with January, ends with December. That's the Gregorian calendar. The right. Hebrew calendar starts with April and goes back around to March, that 12 month period, April to March. April is the first month, the seventh month, 
would be October, October, seventh month. Yahweh is working his purpose between the first and the seventh month. You have three feast days in April. The feast of the Passover is the first one. The feast of the unleavened bread is the second one. The feast of the first fruits is the third one. Then you have a period of 49 weeks to the next feast day, which is June Pentecost. It would be uh, our 49 time. weeks would be almost a year, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 49 days until the next feast period, which would be June Pentecost. Then the next feast days, three of them are in October. October 1st, the Feast of Trumpets. October 10th, the Day of Atonement. And then October 15th through the 22nd, which was called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. And then the end gathering was also accomplished at that time. Mm -hmm. So the Gregorian calendar is from January to December, but the Hebrew calendar, which is in our Elohim book, in the back of the first volume, the Hebrew calendar starts with April being the first month of the year. Okay. Or was similar to April, Abib. We so look in our would, Elohim. Would end up being March. Right, right. Yes, okay. 12 months. Okay. It is 12 months. But the 12 months of the Hebrew calendar are 30-day periods. Okay. I see your time. The time okay. expired. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you for answering that, um, Dr. Manovich and Dr. Brazil. That was a good question, I mean, Carol. Uh, we are at uh, are time. Mm -hmm. Say that again, Carl. No, I'd just like to go into it with a little more detail. That's yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to do it in another class, but thank, that was a good question. Um, once again, we'd like to thank uh, Dr. Rickmanovich, the president of the Madison, Wisconsin branch for doing our Green Chart Thursday. Our next Green Chart Thursday will be November the 3rd. That's the first uh, Thursday in November. And we'll be going over eschatology at that time. We hold our classes here on Zoom every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and on Sundays from 11.30 to 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. May we all stand in our hearts and minds and give a moment of reverence to prayer to Yahshua the Messiah through the doxology. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his joy with the, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power before all time, now and forever. Let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah.